The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview, you know what to do by now. Just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You'll get your login immediately, and you'll be able to have access to hundreds of interviews. Now, speaking of the number 100, Sanitas just celebrated its 100th interview. So if you haven't checked Sanitas out, I would highly recommend it. That's if you want to unlock your full potential. Remember, it's your life. Take control. And tonight we have a very, let's say, non-traditional interview with somebody who claims to be a pirate. And as you know, a pirate has a very different perspective of the world that we live in, a, a different perspective of the now. A few weeks ago, I received a message from this gentleman that I'm going to be introducing shortly, who said that he had some important message to share with the world. We spoke, and we I was very tempted to have this interview, and we have him here with us today. Usually I read a bio for every guest, but I would rather have him share his own bio with us, his story, his biography, and so on, and share that perspective that is so unique when somebody traverses the area or areas of the world that most people are not familiar with. And I'm talking about all the the seven seas, all the oceans around the world. He spent decades there. So that, without further ado, I would like to introduce Anthony Cummins. Hello, Anthony, and welcome to Veritas. Uh, hello, Mel. Good evening, and hello to your listeners on Veritas Radio. Well, thank you for being with us today. Why don't we start with your background? How does one become a pirate, Anthony? Uh, well, um, <clears throat> uh, by accident, mainly. Uh, I, I, I ran away to sea when I was 14, and uh, I'm from London. Meaning you ran away from home? Yeah, I ran away from home, ran away from from London. When I, when I was 14, I got on a big ship that was bound for Australia. My job was washing the plates and uh, cleaning the the floor. Uh, when I came back from this uh, 
long trip to Australia, I had some problems because in South Africa I had been uh, arrested. I was only 15 at the time and I was arrested uh, because I was found wandering through um, an area for black people. Well, wait, wait. Be, before that happened, your mates took you to a bar, and that's how things ensued, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to shorten it so we don't bore your listeners, Mel. Sure. And uh, anyway, um, uh, I, I was trying to find my way back to the ship, and I wandered through a, an area. In those days, there was a thing called apartheid, where black people and white people were completely divided. Sure. And, uh, uh, I found myself in a black people area. The, the policemen came, they arrested me, and they locked me up. Uh, because I was so young, they couldn't put me to prison, so they gave me six strokes of the cat of nine tails. What does that mean, by the way? I read that and I couldn't understand what that meant. It's a big, long bamboo cane that's split, so it's got sharp edges. You know, it's split so many times, so it's got these sharp... Almost what they use in Singapore when you misbehave. No, this is worse than that. And uh, and they, they gave me six of those. Well, you only feel the first three. You don't feel the other three. You hear it, but you, you, your backside is so numb that you don't feel that. Anyway, um, let's not get bogged down on that. It, the sure. fact is that I missed the ship. The ship sailed to Mozambique. Uh, they had to put me on an airplane and send me to Mozambique, and I was um, blacklisted from South Africa for life. And naturally, at the end of the voyage, when we a year later when we came back to London from Australia and New Zealand, I was given a black mark on my record for this event, even though I, I did nothing. You know, it was just total ignorance. Because of the black mark that I was given, I found it difficult to find another ship to sail on. So I spent many months sitting and waiting. Eventually, I got onto a Swedish ship, a little small Swedish tanker that was bound from London to the, Black, the North Sea and then into the Baltic and going to Russia. So I got on this ship and found, to everyone's surprise, is another story here. It's a funny story, but I'm not going to bore your listeners with it. That I had some skills that were, even to me, I didn't know I had them at the time. The skills involved handling ship. I, I found that I could handle a ship in any condition. I could... You tell me where you want the ship, I'll put the ship there. And these skills became known to another captain on another ship who asked for me to be transferred to his ship. Uh, he promoted me, and I said, okay, and I went to join this other ship, Swedish ship. Unbeknown to me, uh, the captain of this ship was a pirate. And although the ship seemed 
legal and everything above board in actual fact it was a pirate ship and one day the captain put his arm around me one night and he said i'm going to teach you you're the one i choose i'm going to teach you everything i know and he did and i became a pirate and i've cut that as short as i could <laughs> and then after that when people think of a pirate everybody thinks that of their life. They have a parrot on their shoulder. They're missing an arm. There's this tradition out there, an urban legend, but, and we think that all pirates are bad. Are all pirates bad, Anthony? Well, first of all, um, people think that piracy started with Treasure Island and finished with Johnny Depp. In, <laughs> fact, <laughs> in fact, it's not like that at all. Hollywood would projects this image and people and books have projected these images that people today see as a pirate. When you say the word pirate, naturally you, you have um, negative images. Uh, people who are drunk, people who are raping and pillaging and robbing and sinking ships and, and all kinds of negativity. But in actual fact, it's not like that at all. It's uh, it's uh, totally different. Uh, unfortunately, uh, pirates uh, are an outlaw. That to say that they're outlaw isn't enough. Uh, they are completely, totally placed outside of humanity from the word go, be it because mainly because of religions, because we are, we are um, anti-religion. We have been anti-religion since before Jesus Christ. So uh, we follow, um, we follow uh, so Solon and, and Solon was 550 years B.C., and Solon, one day, he's, he, Solon, by the way, was the only uh, Greek president, president of the Greeks in those days, who wasn't a theologian or he wasn't a poet. He, he wasn't a thinker. He was a businessman. And he had ships and he thought differently. And one day he said, to his crew and his people, he said, you know, he said, the gods that fly down from Mount Olympus, why do we have to carry them almost to the top again? Why can't they fly back to the top themselves if they are gods? And that was the question that sent Solon onto an incredible adventure. Solon wrote the Ten Laws of Solon, and he is regarded as one of the six great sages of the time. In the Ten Laws of Solon, the third law is to create an association of Piran, I'll spell that for you, Mel. P-E-I-R-A-N. Piran. 
And this association was pulled together of explorers, traders, privateers, robbers, and all kinds of people who were on the sea at the time. And he put them all together and he made them into this association of the Piran. The word Piran is a Greek root word and has been bastardized through time into Latin and later. Pirata or pirate. To be pirate. So Solon formed the first brotherhood of pirates. And he sailed with them for 10 years. Off he went to search for the gods. Okay. He knew that the difference between the gods and him was a question of technology. And he knew that he had to find the port of the god's flying ship because, <laughs> simply because, he wanted one himself. So that is how piracy was born. And that is what I was taught by my masters. And I, I was taught by the master of the Swedish ship for six years. And not only taught <clears throat> history, taught about the sea, how to connect to the sea, how to read the sea, how to understand the sea, how to converse with the sea and listen to what the sea is telling you. Now I have retired. So there are so many things that I can tell people that I couldn't tell them before whilst I was still working as a pirate. And that is why I've come to you, Mel, to tell you, or to, to put on the table a few things that researchers and people like yourself who are looking into the, the paranormal or, or aliens or UFOs or whatever, it, that there's a big table of massive information. And I'd like to put on the table one or two things that are not there. Let's begin with that. What's the first item to put on the table? Well, the first item to put on the table is an understanding of the tides. Two-thirds of our planet is sea and ocean, and it it's treated, humanity treats this ocean in a terrible, terrible ways. We explode it with bombs. We pour toxic waste into it and plastic. And it's treated so badly that it's out of mind. People don't even think of it as anything other than a kind of dumping ground. It's another toilet. Something like that. Well, this is really bad because two-thirds of the planet being sea, two-thirds of the planet is telling you so much information that people just don't see. You know, for every Area 51 
on the land, you're going to find two in the sea. For every UFO you see while you're sitting in the garden, you're going to see two while you're on the sea. It's twice as big. So therefore, everything is doubled. But when we come to the sea, the sea has a problem. It can't sit still and do its own thing because it's constantly being pulled to one side by the sun. And as the earth turns and the oceans turn, they are, the water is pulled constantly towards the sun, creating a tide. Add to this the moon and the positions of the moon, the water is also pulled towards the moon. When the moon and the sun are relatively near each other in the sky, then the effects of the gravitational pull that on the sea creates an even higher tide. Now, when we're on the beach and we see the tide come in and the tide go out, that's what it seems to do. But in actual fact, what is happening is we are entering into and coming out of this constantly high tide that's pulled towards the sun and the moon. Now, this is easy for people to understand, but what is going to be put on the table now is the fact that underneath the sea, underneath the surface of the planet, which is like an egg, we are sitting like we're living on the shell of an egg and the egg is cracked and it's held together by gravitational forces because underneath the shell, underneath this planet's surface is magma. Now magma represents 96-97% of the entire planet. The magma is liquid. It's a lot thicker than the sea and it moves a lot slower, but it's liquid and therefore it, it adheres to the same laws as any other liquid. And it too is drawn by gravitational forces towards the sun and the moon. So if you have a high tide today at 12 o'clock, for example, then under your feet, under your feet, under the shell that you're standing on this planet, the magma too is having a high tide. At the same time, as the earth turns and the tide goes out, there is a low tide under your feet. The magma too will have less pressure pushing upwards. Are you saying that it mirrors? It absolutely identical. I'm almost speaking Italian because I'm in Italy at the moment. Sure. So, Let's take, for example, two days ago in San Francisco, there was an earthquake magnitude four. So anything over a four 
you can measure this. Now, the earthquake took place at um, 50 minutes before low tide. Now, the earthquake was down. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.